the reason that secrets don't say secrets some more is that there's a, a sort of sociological difference between Silicon Valley and the U.S. government. That's privacy and law scholar Peter Swire, a law and ethics professor at Georgia Tech's College of Business. A former White House chief counselor for privacy, Swire served on President Obama's NSA Review Group. And at the upcoming Gartner Security and Risk Management Summit, he'll discuss security and privacy after Snowden. Lessons from the President's NSA Review. For the U.S. government, with all the briefings I had, uh, I never found anybody who thought that Snowden was a whistleblower instead of a traitor. Inside the government, people need to keep secrets, and they do it every day for a living. The idea that he could leak thousands and thousands of pages of secrets was just sort of unbelievable. But in Silicon Valley, by contrast, somebody I interviewed said over 90% of the employees would have said whistleblower. So the gap between no government people and over 90% of Silicon Valley people shows that there's a collection of technology people out there, the, the sort of Silicon Valley side, that believe information wants to be free and, and really think that a lot of the government secrets should be revealed. Historically, such differences in attitudes towards secrecy weren't widely debated because technology didn't make it easy for rogue employees to collect and release classified information, as did Edward Snowden. The half-life of secrets is declining sharply. One reason is that an insider can leak so much more than before. In the old days, Daniel Ellsberg had the most famous massive leak of the Pentagon Papers, and all of that would fit onto one thumb drive now. Not only one thumb drive enough to take things out, but you can post it to the internet. In a world of WikiLeaks, there's no gatekeeper to the internet. That's why one CIO we interviewed for the President's Review Group said that his goal was that leaks happen only by a printer. If the CIO could only have a printer scale one page every few seconds leak, that's a win compared to the kinds of things we saw with Snowden. The U.S. government was embarrassed by the Snowden leaks, and as a result, the Obama administration changed the process on deciding the type of intelligence information to be collected and how. One thing they've done is create a White House process for sensitive data collection. Before you go in to wiretap Angela Merkel, or before you go place a surveillance system in some other place where it might get discovered, they now have a White House process with the Commerce Department and the State Department and not just the intelligence agencies involved. And that's a recognition that the go collect it because, you know, why not attitude is not a good attitude to have when these things can become revealed. We had a lot of pushback from our allies um, after Snowden. And uh, the administration's got a more disciplined process for deciding when to do certain kinds of surveillance that present that kind of risk. One game-changing impact of the Snowden leaks is the increased use of encryption. There were so many worries about intelligence agencies being able to get at communications that the amount of encryption being used by commercial providers has gone way up. One of the changes we've seen is, for instance, is that the big web email companies now hand off encrypted communications from company to company, something they didn't have in place before Snowden. And that's in part because there were stories that reported that uh, agencies were able to get at their unencrypted emails uh, going between data centers. There's specific technical changes like that that have happened on, on encryption. One of the big controversies today centers around whether vendors of mobile devices should make encryption the default setting. That's something many in the federal government, including FBI Director James Comey, oppose. And President Obama and British Prime Minister David Cameron recently joined a chorus of intelligence and law enforcement officials in governments on both sides of the Atlantic, calling for the creation of a so-called backdoor to allow the circumventing of encryption with the approval of a court, a position the vendors vehemently oppose. Swire says even with devices being encrypted, intelligence services and law enforcement have many other tools at its disposal to track those who present a threat to the government and society. 
in fact, Swire characterizes today as the golden age of surveillance. Cybersecurity is important and encryption is the most important single tool for cybersecurity. But I, I wrote a paper called Going Dark versus the Golden Age of Surveillance. And it talks about this law enforcement argument that they're going dark, that they can't see stuff because of encryption. When you think about it, it's the golden age of surveillance for at least three reasons. Today, everyone carries a 24-7 tracking device for the first time in history. Our mobile phones show where we were unless we take really strong steps to hide it. The second reason is the metadata exists to show who we've texted, who we've emailed, who we've called, and all of that contact information shows who our co-conspirators are. That helps law enforcement enormously to see who's connected to who and creates who's a suspect and who isn't. And then the third reason is there's so many other databases, data brokers and all the rest that never existed before. Law enforcement can do searches online for Google and tap into these databases and do all sorts of stuff they couldn't used to do. When you add that all up, law enforcement has a lot of advantages now they've never had before. So they might lose a little bit in some specific areas when they capture some specific encrypted devices. But the overall package of capabilities has hugely expanded law enforcement capability. In the post-Snowden era, Swire says decisions on how the U.S. government surveils criminals and cyber adversaries must cross agencies and not be left solely to the military, intelligence community, and law enforcement. After all, in deciding which tools to use and processes to adopt, Swire points out that the impact goes beyond securing the nation, but includes the economic well-being of society as well. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro.